0: Hello fam, this is Ro and you're listening to Sick of Being Sick. Please follow, like, subscribe or do whatever it is that your app does to listen to our upcoming episodes. Hello, welcome to episode 2. Today I'm going to be talking um, about the waiting game that it was to wait 3-4 to weeks between um, going home after surgery... And uh, and giving the diagnosis, a little bit about my diagnosis, listening, hearing those news, and both from the neurosurgeon as well as the oncologist. Um, There was also a waiting period between hearing that I had um, ex diagnosis with um, the treatment. So a little bit about that, and then um, I'm going to be talking about. Navigating how much information is too much information and connecting with others that are going through something similar um, whilst trying to process that you've been diagnosed with something like cancer. Before I go into explaining um, everything that I said in the intro, I want to read something that I wrote to myself whilst... I was waiting to go into the doctor's office for my biopsy results. Here it goes. I feel hopeful and terrified. There is a part of me that believes that this ends here. At the drop of the word benigno, which is benign in Spanish. And then there's the unprepared side of me that knows something worse may be to come, but I haven't come to terms with it. My head hurts, but that's normal now. I get really confused between headaches. Are they of the mind or of the body? Is it a nervous headache? Does that even exist? Is it a headache because I haven't worn my glasses in a few days? This one is right above my eyebrows, and it feels a bit like pressure. Maybe it's most—it's a post-surgery headache. That's probably the most likely. <laughs> my sister, my dad, and I are waiting to go into the doctor's office. They're removing my stubbles today, too. I have 34 of them in the shape of a horseshoe on the top of my head, like a little door to my mind. To be honest, I think I'm more scared about removing my staples than the biopsy results. So as I said earlier, the wait to um, get my biopsy results um, was between around three to four weeks. Um, but the wait felt like it was forever. Uh, this time I felt... I started to feel really good post-surgery. My recovery was super speedy and I felt super strong. I was walking like 10,000 steps a day, which maybe in, you know, pre-surgery row that felt like nothing, but after it felt like a lot. Um, I felt really good. I felt the best I had felt in months because my headaches were gone after like a week post-surgery and my headaches were gone. So I was feeling really good. I had a lot of energy. So... Um, going into the biopsy meeting, I was 80% sure that whatever they took out was the good type of humor, so benign. Just like I hadn't thought of cancer um, during the the stay at the hospital, I really just couldn't process or think um, that what the biopsy results were going to be was that. Um, my sister and I went to drinks, uh, well, I had a mocktail, but she had a real cocktail the night before, um, we had the meeting with the doctor just to get my mind of things. And we kind of had a chat about, okay, these are like the different options of what can happen. Right. So like, it could be benign, it all hints here, like, yay. It could be bad. Um, so you go into treatment um, and there was a third one, but to be honest, I can't really remember. <laughs> Marta maybe can write some comments and let us know. Um, and in my head, it just—I it, could not process that that was an option. It just—I felt so good. It just didn't make any sense as to why my diagnosis would be that. Another example of this was—I um, know my really close friends um, had a group chat just so that they could kind of communicate with one another and my sister could kind of send the updates to one of them and then that would spread so that everybody would know how I was doing throughout the hospital stay. And post-surgery, everything was like, okay, cool, Like since here, Roy's is doing well. And there was a lot of, you know, banter during um, surgery time or um, post but then when I got the results, um, let's see, how did this go down? I have a little bit of short-term memory loss, although this is a bit long-term now. <laughs> um, my dad, my sister and I walked into the doctor's office. Um, we sat, he asked me like how I was doing, and I told him that I felt really good. He looked at my wound, and he said it's like healing perfectly. My sister had done all the like cures at home, so she nailed it. Thanks, Marta. Um, and, yeah, we were just sitting in front of him. And he I remember him saying, like, honestly, like, the way doctors speak, I just don't understand. <laughs> but I remember him saying, uh, so we got the biopsy results. It is a tumor of the brain. And then after that, everything was black. I had no idea what the heck was going on. I came prepared with a list of questions that had nothing to do with whether it was cancer or not. Um, And then apparently he had set the type, but I was so, like, zoned out um, and in shock that I just didn't process it. So I asked him, I was like, wait, but, like, what is it called? And then that's when he told me a high-grade glioma. And um, after that, my... I was like... I. I thought I was going to start crying the moment I got told whether it was bad news or not, but I it took me a second to process it. I went to the bathroom, and then I just kind of like, I was like, oh, shit, okay. Um, then I went outside with my sister and my dad, and my mom and my cousin were outside, and they were already crying, and then I started to kind of realize um, how bad it could be. So when I came out, um, we all just hugged and kind of cried together, and... That day was super interesting because everybody that was slowly finding out about what I had was treating me in a way that it was almost it almost felt like a goodbye. Um, I know they were just trying to share strength with me, but I don't know. It felt like that was definitely a a day that shifted everything. Wow, well, it's minute eight and I'm already crying. What the fuck? <laughs> Um, yeah, so after that we went to brunch, um, the, all the people that I just mentioned and I had to ask my dad and my sister who were there and I was like, wait, like, do I have cancer? It's just like, can somebody say the C word to me right now? Because I am so confused. Like, and then they were like, yeah. And then after that I was like, started to slowly processing it. That day I was kind of just frozen, um, And I sent a message, um, a voice message to my friends in that group chat that I was mentioning earlier. And after that, I am pretty sure that group chat went quite quiet. Um, It's been really interesting to see how, you know, friends and family process this versus me. And I'm super curious to hear how other experiences have been of other people getting similar news. But at least the first day, everybody was really going through it. And for me, it was kind of just like, okay, like, I was just like a stone. I didn't have really emotions about it. I felt okay. I was feeling well at the moment. Um, And um, the, the different confusing thoughts came way, way, way later. I actually do think that at first... It's probably harder for your family and friends than it is for yourself. Um, at least from my personal experience. But I think, as a you know, person living with the diagnosis, I it just takes more time to process it and to come to terms with it. Um, like to, nowadays, there's days that I'm like I sit. And I'm like, fuck, I have cancer. And then that's when it hits me. But at first, at least like, you know, when you're in the outside or when you're someone really close to that person going through it, you just feel kind of like helpless. Um, And that day you kind of realize, fuck, this person could die from that. And I realized that too. But I think I also thought about that so much when I was at the hospital that it didn't hit me really that day. But it really hit me after the oncology appointment. So after this, I had two different sort of oncology appointments. Uh, One with oncology itself, which was mostly about chemo and um, getting a lot more of the detail into what sort of diagnosis I had. And then the second one was um, with radiotherapy oncology, I think it's called. Um, which was more about radiation and what that would look like. Um, and, yeah, going into those, I started sort of preparing a list of questions. Um, the first one that I had was my oncology appointment. So I started asking my friends and family, like, what questions should I be asking? A lot of it had to do with, you know, like, effects that I would have. Um During the wait um, between my biopsy results and um, my oncology appointment, I had been posting on TikTok quite a bit about my experience. I'll be doing an episode on that and just my experience with social media and how sharing has helped me cope. Um, And just asking to see if there was other young people in Madrid or anywhere in the world, really, um, that had been going through something similar and then I connected with a few people and then through that I started asking them you know like what questions did you ask going into your oncology appointment etc. I'm going to read some of the questions that I had. Um, (laughs) The first one was uh, what about medical marijuana? How is this used? So obviously my mind was elsewhere. I mean I'm still 26 years old so still want to do what young people do. Um, What are the secondary effects of chemo? I was super obsessed with losing my um, eyebrows and whether I would lose my eyebrows. I don't even have nice eyebrows, so I don't know why that was such a big deal. But that was kind of like a running joke um, at home. I would just start crying about my eyebrows, but I don't have nice eyebrows. (laughs) Anyways, um, other things I had were if this treatment doesn't work, what is plan B? Um uh, what if I catch COVID during this? You know, mind you, I'm going through COVID through this time. So like COVID is still happening. So it's still, you know, d- your defenses go uh your de- your immune system, not your defenses, sorry, Spanglish. Your immune system really goes down during um chemo. So just being really conscious about this. And then um could I get tattoos what how much um energy would I have um could I do exercise the exercise point was kind of funny because when I asked her we'll get into the overall oncology appointment in a minute but when I asked her she was like of course you can do exercise you just can't run you can't jump you can't lift weights you can't um I don't know she named pretty much every single exercise so I was like okay so I can walk um essentially because what I have is in the brain, any amount of exercise that um, creates sort of brain pressure, I wasn't allowed to do. Not just because of post-op, but just because of what radiation would do to the brain and etc. I also asked about my period and um, as well as what would happen with that. And if there was um, a psychologist that I could speak to that was dedicated to oncology specifically. During these questions, in case somebody ever goes through these if they need something, <laughs> maybe this might be helpful because I wish I had some. Um, and then how do we keep track of you know how well it's doing or it's not doing? So this kind of was my list of questions going into it. Um, I collected this through a week, through the span of a week, And then um, the the morning of the oncology appointment, I woke up and the first thought I had, I was like, holy shit, babies. Um, For those of you who may not know, radiation and um, chemotherapy can have, doesn't have to necessarily, but can have an impact in your fertility in the long term. So I was like, you know, I know they're rushed to start me on treatment. Do I have time to do like egg freezing? Like, I never really thought, do I want do I, do I want babies? I don't know. Um, so just going through that whole process was a lot. Um, I was met with a lot of empathy throughout this process from doctors, um, nurses, really everybody who was part of this. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. I think in Spain, at least, or maybe this is a me thing, but you grow up in the culture of you don't. Um, you don't want to go to the doctor unless something is like, like you're dying. Um, <laughs> and um, I've always been really scared of doctors. So really being comforted by them going through this shitty process is um, has been really amazing. But yeah, then going into the oncology appointment, I asked her all those questions. And then... Um, She said, you know, in a month we have to start. If you have time to do the egg freezing process, I don't know if it's covered by social security. Um, It was covered by social security, which I'm also so fucking grateful for that because that's like thousands and thousands of euros worth of like shots. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to explain about that in a minute. Um, So she gave me a, a gynecologist appointment for that day as urgent, um, to start the process. And it was just a lot because she also shared more about um, my diagnosis. And essentially she explained, you know, the treatment that I was going to do and the specific type of tumor that I had. Um, I also want to say I did go through surgery. So and the surgery was very successful and they technically had removed the whole tumor through surgery. Um, But because I have a fourth grade glioma, um it's probably one of the most aggressive brain cancers that or tumors that you can have um scary don't google it <laughs> if you google it it sounds like i'm um, you know death sentenced um but uh yeah so she explained a little bit about the tumor and explained how um i have sort of like two different mutations one mutation that really likes the chemo treatment that they're going to put me in another mutation that doesn't like the chemo treatment so much. So she kind of, you know, did explain explicitly, you know, the worst thing that can happen is that this tumor grows through, um, the, the treatment process, because that means that it's, you know, it's fighting back and it, it's not working. So that is the main fear (laughs) that goes through my head every single freaking day. But um, outside of that, she explained the treatment. So I am currently going through uh, 30 sessions of radiation alongside um, chemo. So my ke- chemo is in pill form. Um, and she said, you know, the hair is not really going to fall, uh, which is, I guess my eyebrows question was answered. Um, a lot of it is just mostly nausea. Um, things like this and less and en- less energy uh, but I can really just I can carry a pretty normal life um, and then I have chemo pills from Monday to Sunday every single day um, whilst I'm doing radiation the 30 sessions of radiation are from Monday to Friday um, so I am currently on session I think 8th um, so uh, slowly getting to the end Um I'm probably recording this a little bit too late, but yeah. And then after that, I ran with my sister all over the hospital trying to fill in all the different appointments. Oh, she also gave me an appointment with family oncology because we have a lot of cancer in our family. So she wants to just do, um, I think it's like tracking DNA or something to to see if there is a higher chance of me getting other tumors so that they can keep a close eye with that. And then they monitor if there's any growth of my current tumor or if the um treatments are or are, are working or are not working through um MRIs every three months. And yeah, so my sister and I were running all over the hospital um trying to get mainly the gynecologist appointment because that was kind of like the most important one um, to be able to start this process and and freeze them in time ahead of starting radiation and chemotherapy. And as yeah, my sister and I were waiting. I just broke down, and everything really just started to sink in because I started to understand how strong that tumor that I had was, and if there is any lingering sales, what happens? Sales, <laughs> sales, um, and also thinking about, you know, like what if it grows? Do I even want babies? I'm here trying to like do egg freezing, but like I might not even live for it. Just all the worst things that you can probably think about come to mind. Um, But I am so grateful of my friends and my family who have been so close to me and all my friends who have been coming to visit me, who've kept me thinking on the everyday and trying to really just keep me grounded and not trying to think too past what the day is. Um, But yeah. And then we went into the appointment. I was still like a wreck crying and then... They did some tests um, and they told me about the process and um, essentially the process for egg freezing is that you have to do a few um, different types of shots um, to grow your eggs to a certain size so that they can extract them. So these shots lasted about, I want to say, like 10 to 15 days and the day that I went for the extraction, I literally felt like I was a pregnant woman my my whole body was just huge, my stomach was huge, I was super bloated um, but at the end, it was really successful, so there goes a positive thing that I have now i they were able to extract fourteen eggs out of which eight um the lab decided to keep as like you know good ones um, so it was. Something that I also talked to other women who um, had been going through brain treatment, um, similar to mine, and they didn't think of this in time. They thought about it, like, you know, halfway through treatment. So they're like, ah, now it's too late to to do the egg freezing process. So I'm also talking about it in case that somebody's going through it out there and they want to <laughs> um, keep that in mind. So the week that I... I had the egg extraction. This was actually a super intense week. I don't remember exactly the how it, the days, how it was. But um, the day before the extraction, we got a call from Radiation to see if I could start the day of the extraction. And it, um, we told them that I had the egg extraction, so they pushed it to a Thursday. So I had the egg extraction on a Wednesday I The egg extraction, you're essentially just at the hospital for like, I don't know, 10 hours max. Um, and then I was at the hospital for Wednesday for the egg extraction. On Thursday, I had my first radiotherapy appointment. And on Friday, I had my second radiotherapy appointment plus, um, plus my second COVID shot. So you can only imagine um, how much of a mess I was that weekend. And then the week that followed, um, or the weeks that followed, it was just a constant on and off of just thinking about, um, kind of just putting myself in the worst, what if it grows, like going through another surgery, I think, um, maybe from what you gathered from episode one, I had a I don't know, it just felt like uh, the ICU post-surgery experience was super traumatic for me. Um, I had a lot of anxiety from it. I still have a lot of anxiety off the back of all this. Um, So it's just been a roller coaster of anything. Like even friends sending me a voice message about anything that to do with cancer will will trigger me into just a sad day. Um, But that's normal because I do have cancer. (laughs) And I have to process that. I'm actually a little bit emotional today because, as I said earlier, um, I also had an oncology, um, family oncology appointment set up by my main oncologist, and we did that today. And it, they just talked to me about like you know one of the mutations that I have that is just super rare and and it's a shitty one. It's just not a good one, um, but. Although that the tumor was removed, it's still just scary um, because it can grow. It is so aggressive. And talking about other cancers and having to, you know, get DNA um, exam that they're going to do to see if there's another mutation that's positive, And if so, that could lead to pancreatic cancer. So there's just so much that goes with this that it's just a constant reminder of what you are living and Also, as a young person, it's really hard to go to radiation every single day, Monday to Friday, and walk into a room um, with people. The average person there is maybe 60, 70. um, And I'm not saying that their case is less valid, but it's so hard to walk into that room every single day and be looked at and stared at as the fuck, she's so young. Like, why is she here? And I think not too. (laughs) A lot of the thinking or the conversations that I have with people is like, oh, but like the tumor was removed. So like, you know, um, it's a good thing. Or some people have it worse. And I just keep thinking about... um, I love Brene Brown, and if you haven't listened to her podcast, I highly recommend listening to Unlocking Us by Brene Brown. But she has this episode about comparative suffering um, and how it's really just not helpful to be like, oh, that person has it worse to avoid living your own pain um, (laughs) or validating your own pain of the things that you're going through. Of course, there's worse cancers out there, but it is, you know, you should also be aware that your case is as bad as you feel it and I think this is also super um I lived this through with my friends in my family not wanting to bother me as they say with uh their like life dramas that they're going through whilst I'm going through this because they feel like they're less important than what is happening to me and Sure, you don't have cancer, but if your boyfriend broke up with you, I want to talk to you about it, because I'm still your friend. And um, kind of siloing people, going through treatments like this, by not sharing what's happening, it's worse than actually sharing what's happening, because it's a good distraction. Um, After, you know, two months of just speaking about what's happening with me and getting so much attention, I just am dying to hear about people's life stories. Um, But yeah, you know. If you are supporting somebody with cancer, don't think that your problems are less off because they're just as valid and you should voice them to that person because they'll probably feel somewhat useful. Thank you for listening to my story. I want this to really become a platform for other young adults to come share their story because I know it can be a little bit lonely. If you or anyone you know would like to share their story on the podcast, please reach out to me via the email on the episode description or the show description and um, you're more than welcome to come share your story. If you'd like to write a letter, um, if you don't want to come in, you can also write a letter and I'll read it at the end of the next episode.